black for a white world and too white for a black world. And that makes you stronger fast, I got to imagine. I got to imagine that kind of, you said you were lucky enough to be the odd man out. Now I'm lucky. I wasn't lucky at the time. Like I I remember in in third grade, one of my good friends came up to me and said, are you, are you an Oreo? Are you black on the outside and white, white on the inside? Because I grew up in Birmingham and I spoke the way I spoke. And I didn't know what that meant. And, you know, when you're a kid and you feel alone, there's nothing worse. It's hard. It's hard now if you're, if you're an adult and you feel alone. But when you're a kid, man, that's hard. I couldn't process it. Where did you fit? By myself. I became so scared I was going to offend somebody by being black, by being too white. Look, when I went south of 8 Mile in Detroit and played with the brothers in the police athletic league, I was the white kid from the suburb, right? And so talk about a man without a country. I was, I was a kid without a, a country. And so I became uh, super self-sufficient. You know, this is something my parents couldn't, even, couldn't help me with. How did you become strong? Where do you remember any of the details that were testing you, that strengthened you, where you're like, I've had to become an adult faster than I wanted to. You guys have chosen to steal a piece of my childhood and my youth and my innocence, I got to grow up faster. The one thing that did save me though, even though my parents couldn't identify with my racial identity crisis was they were super supportive and super strong. And I remember as, as, a, as a first grader, I got a fight at school because someone said something about my mom and Sandy Battier is the toughest SOB you ever find. And I, she came home. She's like, why are you fighting about me? Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, let them think what they want to think. Like, I know I'm, I'm cool. I'm a good mom. I'm a good person. And, you know, that was a lesson I learned when I was in first grade. That, like, it doesn't matter what people say about me and, and, and what their perception is about me. I had to be authentic. I had to be myself. And if that wasn't good enough for people, uh, you know, screw them. <laughs> when, did, when did you sort of arrive in terms of comfortable in your own skin? Is there an age or a time? Is it before Duke? Is it at Duke? I would say late high school, I, I finally became comfortable in who I was. I had a lot of friends, but I wouldn't say I was I was intimate with a lot of people. I always kept my distance. Um, I had I had pseudo celebrity because I was a pretty good basketball player, nationally ranked, and, and being re- recruited. And so there were a lot of isolating things about just my life in general. And I I, I kept to myself and just just grinded by myself. That's what that's what I did. But you know, it's got to a point where I used to eat lunch by myself because I, I was afraid of offending people. You know, screw it. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a good dude, and I'm smart, and I work hard. And if people don't like me because of my zip code or because the tint of my skin, like they don't need to be in my, my world. And so I became super selfish about who I surrounded myself with, and it, it really allowed me to just be a better judge of character, and it made all the difference in the world. It sort of released me. How does the discomfort of all of that play out differently, if not for being super confident that you were great at basketball and could just bust people up? If I take away the confidence that comes from sports and make you go through all of that, how does it play out differently? That's the irony, Dan. I, I, I wasn't confident. I suffered from the imposter 